Hi, my name is Pat Live and welcome to Love the Music. Today's date is Tuesday, May 18, 2021. Episode 17 of the Pandemic Interviews. I'm actually surprised I've made it this far. Just shy of 450 downloads since January 26th, I figure that's not bad for the tiny guppy in the tsunami of podcasts. Unfortunately, I'm almost a year out when I first started this project, and not a damn thing has changed. As a matter of fact, it's worse, emotionally, physically, and mentally, for so many people out there. Here in Ontario, we're still in total stay-at-home lockdown for another two weeks at least, maybe more. The May long weekend looms large, and I know so many people just want to get away. Anywhere. England is rapidly loosening up. A concert was held in Liverpool two weeks ago. I believe it was about 3,000 attendees. No masking, no distancing. So far, all is good. No flare-ups of the virus. Even the U.S. venues are booking and producing shows, and many Canadian artists are now looking south of the border, chomping at the bit to recoup just a fraction of what they've lost over the past 14 months. As I've mentioned in previous podcasts, I didn't start out to present these interviews live. I was recording the conversations purely for reference purposes for my column. It was only after numerous people mentioned that audiences would prefer to hear the artists in their own voices that I decided to go ahead and figure this podcasting thing out. It continues to be a huge learning experience, but I'm rather enjoying it. With a large backlog of interviews from 2020, and several now from 2021, there's no shortage of voices to be heard. Next month, I'm going to start doing a mix of both years as I work to publish as many as I can. I thank everyone who has been so supportive of these efforts, and I tip my hat to you all. Today's podcast with indie artist Mike Celia was my very first conversation and very first recording. Mike, an accomplished guitarist, vocalist, and songwriter, was gracious enough to inaugurate the series. At that time, I didn't even have a name for it. The recording is extremely rough around the edges, so bear with me on this one. And my apologies to Mike. Apparently, not knowing any different, I had the voice recorded on interview mode, which has volumes fluctuating wildly. Mike and I sat in Christy Pitts Park just chatting and catching up. You can actually hear, faintly, other conversations in the background. My list of questions was minimal and the conversation roamed from me finding out my friend David Celia is actually Mike's brother to falling in love during COVID. In between, I managed to glean some cohesive thoughts about the pandemic, writing songs, and the club scene. Mike started playing guitar in 8th grade after watching two students play loud electric guitar. Self-taught, he used a stapled pile of photocopies from a how-to play guitar library book. It was a secret hobby he wouldn't share for 10 years. Performing live now for 15 years, Mike's first gig was opening for his brother, David, at Hughes' room. The experience was his epiphany, and he quit his job in finance to pursue music as a full-time career. According to Mike, it was the moment that connected all things musical for me. It was the moment I realized that music was complete for me when I was able to share it live and in person. Born and raised in Mississauga, Mike moved to Toronto to be closer to the music. 
He released his first solo EP, Things I've Sold, in 2007. It won the Best Blues Album during the Toronto Indie Music Awards in 2008. Two more full-length albums followed. Falling Backwards, produced by his brother David in 2014, and Turn Me Up with Canadian a cappella group EH440, also in 2014. His newest album will be released this year. I do my own singing, songwriting, uh, and I perform for a lot of different musicians, write with other musicians, play music and share space. But I love in any way that I can. Excellent. You have a lot of fun on stage, too, because shooting you guys at Mariposa was a blast. It's really special. Yeah. It's so, like, and it's funny, you know, people say to me all the time, like, you're having so much fun. I'm like, that's all I remember. <laughs> it's like, it's so, yeah. You have to have fun. You have to have a love and a passion and fun with what you do. Yeah. How did you, how did you hook up with Digging Roots? Okay, that's a fun story. Yeah. So, I was uh, playing at Blue Skies Festival right. with my brother Dave. We were both playing the same festival, and I basically ended up getting booked because um, uh, um, Julia Phillips, who's okay. the artistic director, and my good okay. friend. Okay. That stutter is like she she'd wring my neck. <laughs> she would wring my neck for saying that. Julia met me just before the festival, and I guess really liked my performance. So, long story short, my brother she booked me just because she's like, I got your brother. Gotta have you. So I ended up having him join me on stage. We did a little duo thing. It was beautiful. And shortly after Digging Roots played, we all hung out. And then I think it was maybe a month later, we were together at Shelter Valley Festival. And we did a workshop together, and I jammed with them for a little bit. And within an hour, they asked me to go on tour with them. And I was just I had just left an a cappella band that I was singing in for five years so many things and it was like synchronicity is precisely two weeks prior I had quit that band so that I could have become a head chef at a restaurant in Toronto that band was great but it wasn't exactly what I wanted to do musically but I loved it and I was traveling the states and Europe and doing all these cool things but I knew musically it wasn't so long story short I left them to pursue this opportunity in a restaurant and the restaurant didn't open oh no what have I done? But then I said to myself, look, you know, this is a crazy world. I've already chosen it. Uh, you just got to sort of sometimes let the winds take you where they're going to take you. So I said, no more worrying about it. Keep doing what you do. Um, I was playing with Annie Sumi, singer-songwriter from Guelph. She asked me to play for this festival, and that's how I met Digging Roots. I ran into them for the second time. and did this uh, awesome workshop together, and next thing you know, I'm... You're performing with them. The, ne the, the next thing was, is really, I was going to cover off on how you got, how you're coping or keeping busy with not, not performing. So not very busy, fortunately or unfortunately, or a bit of both, depending on the day. Um, but otherwise, in terms of music, I've, so I've done a couple of those, like, I'll put in quotations, live videos, because, you know, we're pre-recording them and, and sending like, okay, here's the drums and bass, now you drop the guitars. I've done one with Digging Roots, I've done uh, one at least one with Tanika. There's been some session stuff, so some people will call me and say, hey, can you drop some guitars into this? Um, it's not a big moneymaker right now, and a lot of people are asking if we can do things at different rates, and I'm like, of course. Like, I'm just sitting here. Give me something to do. Um, in terms of um, money, I, you know, Serb has been taking care of me. For all of us. 
So, and I'm more than happy. Like, you know, I'm good. I'm a, I'm a young single guy. I don't have a mortgage or anything. Like, you know, I, I imagine 2000 bucks isn't great for a lot of people. So I'm really thankful. And, and I'm, I'm hip with what's going on. I'm all, I'm all for it. But what else? I mean, you've got the music part, yeah. so you're doing you're doing the, the, these these isolation. I call them isolation videos. I'm in love. And you're in love. I'm in love. That's that's what I've been doing. I've been nurturing that garden. Uh, met maybe several months before this all happened, and I, I'm either single or I'm not. And when I meet somebody, I know it's this is not a dilly dally thing. And this woman, so wonderful, so amazing, so supportive. She never fails to see me through all of my bullshit. It's all I ever wanted. That's Just someone who can see me who I am. And, you know, on my worst days, I feel like early on, especially, I'm like, you're you're gonna you're gonna see that this is not a good idea. And then I see her get upset, and then I'm thinking, yeah, see, like you're you're getting upset. And I remember one day she she kind of walked away and went to the bathroom to kind of get her breath. And I went in there. I said, you're really upset with me. She said, I'm upset because you think I'm going to give up. And I was just like, oh man. That's good. We've been nurturing love, and we have a garden. It's like an apartment garden, so buckets of flowers. Buckets of flowers. Buckets this is of good. Flowers. Uh, she's a bit of a green thumb, so when I got there, there were already I think we counted forty-eight plants in her little one-bedroom apartment. We've added basil, tomatoes, flowers. I have one little weed plant I'm growing. It's so pretty. I've never grown one before. They're so pretty, and I'm like, I look at it every day, and I smile at it, and and uh, other than that. We don't eat too much. We spend a lot of time in. We watch movies. She has a nice patio and a hammock. So sometimes we'll lie on the hammock and we'll watch movies. Uh, I'm always cooking. So we eat light throughout was, the day. I was going to say, you got to be cooking for her. Big time. Yeah. Big time. And I love it. I love it. You I wish I could cook for her. my late husband. He loved to cook. So good. Yeah. It's just like music. You make something and then you just like, you just, I want you to have this. It's not good enough with me alone. Okay. Food is not good enough alone. It's, it's something I always want to share. So. So, question number three hundred and forty-six. <laughs> so, one of the one of the thoughts that I've been I've been wondering about the musicians out there is, what do you think? There's obviously obviously a huge shift and a huge change in music and the approaches. How do you think you would you'll approach it going forward? Generally, it doesn't have to be necessarily be personally, but personally and or generally. I tell you, you it's know? funny that this the order of our meeting today is very interestingly staggered or just preceding another meeting I'm going to have with, um, do you know who Alex St. Kitts is, bass player? Yes, I do. So we've been talking a lot, doing He's a bit not... of writing. Oh, wait a minute. George St. Kitts, Kitts' son. So, oh, oh, it is. Okay. Alex probably was playing, I'm almost, if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken, that time we played Summer Folk, Alex was playing bass for us. I'll have to he go back and in, take a look I'm at the pretty pictures. Sure. Um, anyhow, him and I were talking... A lot about a lot, as we do. And just this, it started with this notion of things can't go back to the way they, not not just because they can't, because they won't, because it's everything's too different now, but because it would be such a tragedy if all this crap happened and nothing got better at the end. Like we didn't make some improvements. And I think that's what we're seeing right now with a lot of tensions flying with Black Lives Matter, but we need to face a lot of things I won't get too political, but you, you know what I'm saying. We need yeah. to face a lot of problems in society right yeah. now. And one of the problems that musicians are facing is lacking the, the sort of respect as a worker. So what we thought would be a great idea, and we're planning to 
sort of build this up slowly, is to build sort of a um, practice that we can get all the community involved in right now. The thing that we both thought was pretty important is a lot of people won't be coming back who aren't the long haulers. There are people who maybe haven't been around long enough and are probably going to try to find another opportunity outside of music right now. And there are people who just can't see anything else. Those are the people that I think are going to want to work together building a stronger community. So we thought, let's build something like a, sort of like a, what's the word I'm looking for? A process that we can all follow to make sure we always get paid fairly and we're always being treated fairly. So what we're, what we're going to do is him and I are going to outline a lot of ideas we have. What should be the minimum pay? What are like contracts and how should contracts be? And this is, and then what we're going to do is start like a little Facebook group or something with all the people we can think of and keep throwing people in and go, this is something we're drawing up. What issues do you see? What do you see that's missing? The idea is not to include just musicians, but venues, bookers. So it's all in the planning stages right now. So it's it's all just a big pipe dream. We just talked about Is that about something it. you want me to write about? I don't know. We can talk about it when you get to it. How about that? You can certainly talk about the fact that talking about it. Yeah. And we want to do something. Like, that's the main thing is I want to do something, anything that I can right now to make sure that when we go back, whether it be music or normal life or whatever, we, we go back with a new sense, like a sort of renewed sense of purpose. So as musicians, I think we have to do that. We don't know how this is going to play out. We don't know how long it's going to take. So we might as well take this time to make sure that when we come back, we didn't dilly-dally this time to show up to the same problems without a solution. It's a tough it's a tough gig. A lot of venue owners can become jaded because there are a lot of musicians who can uh, and acts and artists who, who will leave them hanging. And then they start to treat everyone the same way and vice versa. And then we start to have this sort of like, ah, oh, the venues don't pay us enough or they're screwing us over or this. And it's like, we can streamline what the cost of a performance costs minimum. We can all agree to that and hold. That's it. We can make a contract signed saying, hey, this is what I need to get paid. If you if you decide, oh, it's not that busy at the bar or the restaurant today, if that's your gig, right? A lot of us are making, you know, guys I know are touring and playing huge festivals on big stages and then they come home to Toronto and they're playing a small bar around the corner just to keep it going, right? And then and meanwhile, they just played a festival in front of 3,000, 4,000 people. They're the act. <laughs> and then they come and they played a small pub here for a, for a jug. So how can we make it so that it's always fair and keep that conversation? Because it is a partnership. We are working with venues. Venues need us. We need them. So how can we build a better relationship and a better conversation and better trust? So I mean, you're right. It is a part. The whole thing is a partnership. Yeah. Really. Always. We all need them. I I can't. I'm not photographing because there's no live acts. The venues. I mean, it's just like it all links and syncs together. Symbiotic. Yeah, it's very symbiotic. Can't forget that, right? It's like I don't. I don't. Many people do. Yeah. Well, because sometimes even, you know, even like uh, as a musician, I can see how even sometimes I can get so caught up in my own. Like, I'm bringing all this music. I worked so hard. I poured my blood and sweat and tears. I took all the risks. And it's like, everyone's got that story just with different variables. Try running a venue in Toronto, right? Not on your life. It's, I would never, I'd never want to. It scares the heck out of me. Yeah. So I think it's important that we build better relationships. Um, so that one, we don't even have to enforce anything. It's all just going to be understood. Like, we'll take care of each other our best we all need music we all need places to sit and listen to music yeah. to have a, a nice cold drink whether it's alcoholic or not or maybe a nice meal you know let's see how we can do that better feelings of being left out sometimes felt like feeling not valued 
on all not sides. Valued. Not That's valued. What do you think about the uh, Toronto banning live music in the restaurant? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I read that. A lot of people I've, I've noticed on my socials are up in arms. Um, I'm taking everything one day at a time, trying to take it in stride. I'm always trying to see what more. Okay, here's a new development. What more? Give it time, right? Let it yeah. marinate and see how it how it all moves and keep the conversation going. Keep the dialogue. I love the agitators too. Like sometimes I'm like, ah, maybe you're overreacting. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, maybe, maybe it's good. Maybe that's your job because I'm not the overreactor. And maybe if if I don't overreact and you don't overreact, maybe nothing gets done. So maybe I need you too. So uh, I'm always just watching all the all the moving parts and and just trying to figure out where I sit. I, I come from a Zen kind of ideology. Kind of you and Dave both. Yeah, for sure. Well, we shared a room. We spent a lot of our lives together, and we're probably the most similar out of all the siblings. We have two other siblings. So. Yeah, I've known David for five years. The song you're about to hear is the title song from Mike's album, Falling Backwards. Produced by elder brother David Celia, it's always challenging working with family. According to Mike, I'm very proud of what we were able to accomplish with this record. We made a beautiful album that I'm proud of. Making music is such alchemy sometimes.
hard to let go and just swallow it whole. Cause I left untold. I swore to my soul that I would never let it go until the fire burned too cold. I'm to the Pandemic Interviews, Conversations in a Changing Time. We've just heard Falling Backwards, written and performed by Mike Celia. You are listening to a conversation I had with Mike in June 2020. Okay, one of the, actually, one of the first questions I was, I was, you know, what sort of spawned this whole thing was, where were you a year ago today? All right. And where are we now? I wonder if and I still have like, it in my calendar. And it's like... Like I said, I am really not good with dates. I have, um, I play with a violinist. He is so good with dates that I will say, hey, you remember that gig? I don't remember where we were, but you had this something, and I'll name like a thing, and he'll be like, oh, yeah, that would have been August of 2014. We were <laughs> like, are you kidding me? He's like, no, I can confirm that. He's just so, uh, okay, where are we right I only now? Know. Surprisingly, playing local gigs. I wasn't on tour. Just looking at it, I still have it all on my calendar, which is pretty cool. Marlon, the bass player from Tanika's band, got married. We were celebrating marriage. And probably just playing a bunch of local gigs. I'm not seeing any. Like, now I'm just seeing most of my personal stuff. That, so last year was um, a little bit... Maybe that's why I'm ready for this a little more. Last year was a little bit more of, like, less touring and more quick weekend trips. Yeah. So summer festivals, played Mariposa with Digging Roots. Um... Tanika had just dropped her record, but for some reason we weren't doing a heap of a lot. And I remember we were sort of not sure what was going on because we were supposed to have a whole bunch of tour dates in Europe. Roughly, I was playing. I was playing around. Um, for so you were doing years. a lot of local gigs then. Local, like local Ontario, or just sort of like fly in, fly out. So like out to BC, play a festival, fly back. Right. Uh, 
but probably doing more with digging roots last year. The year before that, I was four, maybe five months on tour in Europe with Tanika. That's just in Europe alone. And then the stuff I was doing with digging roots here and dates that we were doing here. So there was sort of, that was like a big, big year. And then I think last year was more of like an album planning year for Tanika. That's probably why I did more digging roots stuff. And then for them, it was just festivals, summer festivals. They're the best. I know. So sad. I was just about to make my record. That's what I was going to do. I just sort of got a bunch of parts together that I I was feeling really good about. I have a bunch of, like, I have enough music to make an album, uh, but I wanted to sort of build more ideas and create more music with the people that I was going to work with. And I had just started playing a lot with uh, an artist by the name of Mosin Zaman. He's a friend that I met on tour with Digging Roots several years ago in Edmonton. We connected really nicely. He moved to Toronto maybe a few years ago. Lived with me for a few months to kind of get himself settled in this city. Um, but he runs an open mic and a venue called B-Side on College. Called? B-Side. B-Side, okay. B-Side is like a little bit of like a secret. B-Side doesn't open for anything but events. They don't They don't have a walk-in crowd. They have an event. As opposed to the A-Side on a Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is clever, but coincidental, I think. There was always B-Side, but... Not a lot of people would know that. No, actually. that's really true. But I was, I, I found myself uh, going to a lot of jams, open mic jams, yeah. and connecting with a lot of people, and trying something, like building a lot of community and making a lot of friends that I suddenly was starting to write with, and I was writing on their projects and helping them and creating and recording guitars on their stuff, and then I was like, I'm feeling creative again, that's why I got into this, that's how I started, yeah. writing my own music, making records, and then one thing led to another and I started playing in other people's bands and then it was just like, I love being in everyone's band. It's the best. So just before all this happened, I was just about to get working on that and that all kind of, so that, that's the, that was the big kind of kick for me, but I'm also just taking it all and just going, okay, maybe this is a good time to write. Uh, it has not been until recently for me playing music for the first two months. I pick up my guitar and it just felt, didn't feel good. And I would just put it back down, and then I would start resenting it. So I, I, I just said, I'm not going to force that. I'm not going to. I'm going to let that happen when it does. And it found its way back, and I'm back. And last yesterday, I was in the studio playing more guitar for Wilson's record. It was the first day that the producer, his producer, opened the studio since this all happened. We were in separate rooms. We did our thing, but you know, uh, that felt really good. Felt really good. Um, and to do some writing, some writing with Alex and kids. So. Yeah, I guess last year it was all... I was really starting to see my path towards making my record this year and doing a bunch of gigs in Ontario and around, but not, not as heavy, but busy. Always busy. Busy is good. I don't know what to do without busy. What are we doing if we're not doing something? So the writing part, now, do you, you play guitar, solely guitar? Uh, yeah, that's... That's, that's yeah. your primary instrument. Do yeah. you play keys at all? or Yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah, sure, sure. Triads. <laughs> few chords here and there anything more than three fingers yeah. gets hard so when you write a piece do you write the whole piece all the parts is that what you hear in your head often most often that's how i started writing are you charting no i don't chart you don't chart. i don't have that kind of musical background okay. so i don't know like i know how to do basic chord structures and stuff like that right. but a lot of the communication now even when i'm working with other artists most people don't know 
theory anymore. It's not it's not a requirement unless you're in a specific area. Music, yeah. but nowadays it's you know even Tanika's um, like she's great because she knows what she wants, but she doesn't have the vocabulary, and so she'll be sitting in a, in a rehearsal, and I'm just just say anything. Good to get the gunk. Like we get it. Like we're we have the same brain as you. Right. We'll we'll get to it. So for me. A lot of that, I'm not charting anything, but I am arranging a lot of different things. So I'll call drummers and say, this is what I'm going for. And I know sometimes I'll have a groove, but also, I also sometimes, when I'm working with someone, I'm, I want them to bring something of theirs to the yeah. table. So it's tricky. I don't, sometimes I'll just send them something, even though I have a finished idea. I'll say, listen to this and tell me if something comes to mind. And... Let's see what I can, what we can mine together yeah. without me influencing your creativity, right? So that's how I made my last record. I, I got uh, Russ Boswell and Jorn Anderson. Really lucky to have these two heavy players come in, and I sent them the songs just an acoustic guitar in my voice. Dave did this, actually. He coordinated. He was the producer. And then we went in the studio and we recorded eight out of 11 songs in one day live off the floor. We played a gig before that, so Russ and Yorn had a rough idea of what they would do. We played the gig. I recorded it on my iPhone. Later, I listened back, and I was like, I don't think we need to do much. You're, you're brilliant. And so we went in the studio a few months later, and we laid it down. Wow. So there is that. I do have some, like, and I do have songs, for example, for this record that I have full arrangements for it that I've done. Like, I'm done. I've, I've placed the drums. I've done them how I want them. But I'm still, I always try to keep things fluid. So yeah, yeah, pretty much everything. I write. I try to write all the harmonies. Like I really like harmonies. I like writing and singing harmonies. So I like trying to come up with interesting harmonies, and I like to practice. Sometimes I find that we can be really flowery with harmonies, and then sometimes we lose the message or the voice itself. Sometimes by by coloring things up too much and making it too pretty. That's a good point. Um, so often it's about finding where harmonies really will lift and move. Like what is the best. How's this song going to going to hit people the hardest? How's it going to soar, and when does it need to? Yeah, exactly, and that's and that's you know that's the most important thing to me, and that's why I used to be more controlling, in wanting to have my hand on all the ideas. But now that I've been working on other people's projects, I've learned to let the reins go more, and I think more more beauty comes out of it. It's like a friend of mine says. He says, "You're a great songwriter. You wrote a beautiful song, and it's you and your guitar." And it's perfect. It's just great the way it is. But what if I got, just to accompany you, the best piano player? Do you think the song might get, or the best drummer, the best bass player, like the most thoughtful? You know, not people who are just great because they have technique, like the most thoughtful, innovative players. Do you think maybe it could up the ante? And I'm just like, abs- like of course. Of course it would. Like, how could I? I can't own these ideas. This next beautiful ballad is also from the Falling Backwards album. Remember how it used to be. About the change, it used to be about the change. It used to be about the difference 
we all wanted to make. Well, nowadays it seems we're faking. We seem to give when we're taking. Oh, and everybody's buying into all the lies. And we all wanna make. Be the change. So hard when we're strangers. We're so scared of the touch. All your sisters and your brothers, or your mothers and your fathers, oh, they're around you, but you can't see. That we're all the same, and we're all to blame. Oh, for feeling alone in this place that we all call home. We all wanna make the difference. We all wanna be the change. We all wanna kill the poison, but it's out of our range. We all wanna be good souls. We all wanna be the crutch. But so hard when we're strangers, we're so scared of the touch. Broken, have we lost our sense of touch? We hide inside these walls till the loneliness is too much. The illusion becomes too real. We forget how to feel. I feel love. I feel love, and this love inside of me ain't mine. Alone, I feel love. Welcome back to the Pandemic Interviews. 
Conversations in a Changing Time. We've just heard Used to Be, a song written and performed by Mike Celia from his 2014 album, Falling Backwards. You've just listened to a conversation I had with musician-singer-songwriter Mike Celia 11 months ago in June 2020. Many thanks to Eddie and Quincy Bullen and Paul DeLong for writing and performing the theme music for the show. And to those of you tuned in, thank you so much for taking the time to listen, inviting us into your cars, offices, and homes. If you would like to continue listening to what these musicians have to say, follow me on Podbean or any one of the platforms you're using. You'll be notified automatically when the next conversation is published. I am Pat Blythe, and you're listening to Love the Music. Have a great day and a wonderful evening.